0: Welcome back to The Bill Bennett Show. It's the podcast that helps you translate Trump. Joining me today is Mark Krikorian. He is the Executive Director of the Center for Immigration Studies. We're going to discuss what's happening at the U.S.-Mexico border, immigrants, children, illegal entry, and how things are playing out with the President's zero-tolerance policy. Will we get immigration policy from Congress? What will we do? Where will we be in a year? We'll talk to Mark. And we're going to speak with John Sununu, former governor of New Hampshire and former White House chief of staff under President H.W. Bush. We'll get his thoughts on the news of the day. Smart guy, good on everything. Will you email us with your thoughts for the 4th of July show? What does America mean to you? Chances are we'll read your email on the show. Folks, let me take up a couple of topics that uh, we're actually going to have a fuller discussion of in the interviews coming up with John Sununu and Mark Krikorian. Uh, first on my mind is the whole FBI thing. I, I mean, I think this is a huge thing and I think it's going to explode even further. There's a reason the FBI is keeping these documents from the house. I don't know if they're ever going to get them all, but you know, who could get them all the president could get them all the President has that authority. Rod Rosenstein worked R- Rosenstein works for the president. So does, uh, Christopher Ray, Uh, and he can say, I want those documents just release. Them. That's it. And, um, and it can be now Johnson, who suggests, as you will hear, He should say he's inclined to do this. If they don't cooperate with the Congress, give him notice, tell the world that's what he intends, and then um, see if they hand over the documents. If not, just go get them. Would that be counted as, uh, would would people see that as uh, collusion or obstruction? No. Releasing documents, putting things out in the public, sunlight's the best disinfectant? No. That's my advice to the president. On the whole immigration thing, it's a thicket, and we go through it in detail with Mark Krikorian. Uh, not optimistic about how this is going to turn out. This is a mess. Thanks to the courts. Thanks to Clinton. Thanks to Obama. President's trying to do the right thing. The only thing that's a bright light here or that's positive, and I agree with Mark Corian is that I think it's a winner for the president politically. Democrats think they can ride this outrage into uh, 2018? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. In those blue, blue places, they'll get reelected. But I don't think in the toss-ups they're going to do well. That's just my thought. My third thought is about uh, the hinges coming off the doors, the doors coming off the car, the guardrails coming off. I don't know which analogy you prefer, but what have we gotten to here? Sarah Sanders is thrown out for being Sarah Sanders, thrown out of a restaurant in Lexington, Virginia, by, um, I guess she is a Yankee, as they would say in North Carolina. And then, you know, uh, Robert De Niro screaming, uh, what's her name in California, Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters. can never remember her name. I don't that. (laughs) Yeah. Maxine waters. I can never remember her name telling a crowd. If you see one of these Trump people or Trump supporters, just embarrass them and yell at them. If you see them in the mall, if you see them in a movie, just embarrass them. What is this all about? This quote resistance. It's because they think the presidency of Donald Trump is illegitimate. That's what it's all about. And they believe that they are chosen to lead the resistance and the revolution. They are full of righteousness and self-righteousness and moral superiority. And, you know, I I don't think they'll come to their senses. The one question I have in all this is, what do the never-Trumpers think of all this? My friends, and I'll still call them my friends, I won't call them my former friends, who, you know, supported Reagan and Bush and wouldn't support Trump, absolutely not. Do they feel good about, you know, being unwitting allies of this kind of poisonous, horrible stuff that's going out there. I don't know. I don't understand, but, um, that's the world in which we live. All right. We're going to try to get our optimism back. Uh, I am optimistic. I'm always optimistic about America. You know, the, the antibodies kick in, the, you know, the, the juices get going. Um, I said the other night in a conversation, actually a conversation which the vice president was, uh, present. Um, uh, somebody said, "You know, I'm in despair about the country." I said, "You know, I'm in despair about the country when I read stuff and watch stuff on TV. I get despairing about America, and then I go out and meet Americans, and I feel better. You know what I mean, Claude? When you meet individual Americans, you absolutely, feel absolutely. So, so uh, as we approach the fourth, let's remember what this country's about." Abraham Lincoln said in 1863, we shall nobly save or meanly lose this last best hope of earth. That's what I call my books, Last Best Hope, America, the Last Best Hope, and it still is. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Show. Okay, let's jump in. Uh, Let's welcome Governor John Sununu to the show, former governor of New Hampshire and former White House chief of staff under President George Herbert Walker Bush. Governor Sunu, always great to have you back on the show.
1: Dr. Bennett, how are you?
0: Good. It's that time of year when I want to come up and take a hike with you.
1: Uh, This time I'll do it slowly.
0: (laughs) I remember that. You ran ahead. I was very impressed. I
1: know it, but I I obviously uh, underestimated uh, my aging effect.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I could barely walk up with those guys now, but they are beautiful mountains, the whites, aren't Come up.
1: Come up anyway. We'll go have lobster and clams and...
0: Now you're now you're talking the right language. <laughs> oh, we got the,
1: it's a great lobster season this year. Come on up.
0: I gather. Well, let's start with this tough uh, the tough nut to crack the immigration thing. Give me your perspective on it.
1: Yeah, th- this this issue has been so complicated by uh, slightly ambiguous legislation and aggressive liberal judges uh, who have created uh, a morass and I personally think what the president ought to do is start issuing executive order after executive order to do it the way he wants and and let uh, let those that said that it was his responsibility chase it into the courts
0: well i guess that's going to happen now as i understand it yeah that's but thick... i think
1: he should go further go ahead. i think I I think he should uh, uh, issue an executive order that says we no longer take people in, that we we turn them back at the border and let them complain about that.
0: But we have this refugee thing, and they claim this refugee status, right, that they're victims of tyranny or terror or, you know, drug lords, and some of them are, for sure. And so, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, by your read, his executive order will already go to court and be challenged. And they're going to say, you know, you can't you can't separate these families for more than uh, for more than 20 days.
1: So they're declared now I know living conditions are not great in Honduras and Guatemala, but refugee status is generally a political situation. And those are not political situations. Those are economic situations. People are claiming refugee status for economic deprivation. And and, and that's where the yeah. law is murky. See, I, I mean, yeah. that's what people don't understand.
0: Well we gotta we, we do have to get some legislation, don't you think I don't
1: think Oh yeah, of okay. course we do, yeah. but the president should frame it the way he wants it to be until the legislation comes with executive orders
0: as I again as I understand it, the conservatives are saying, well, Obama had separation, we a lot of these pictures are pictures of kids during the Obama time but uh, but
1: that's insufficient
0: I, It is insufficient, that's the point because Obama yeah. was ba- basically practicing catch and release. Yeah. And all these people were coming in and remaining right. in the country, and Donald Trump doesn't want to do that.
1: Right, that's and exactly I agree with right. Him. I agree too. But
0: what is? Do you have any idea what is the argument on the other side that that would put limits? Is there any sense of limits? on the Pelosi side here of,
1: limits of what
0: you know limits of who can come in I mean once you say whoever they have pl- no
1: they, okay. they have no desire to limit they have absolutely no desire they think they have a political issue and 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 all they have to do is is argue um, uh, human rights humanitarian uh, issues uh, refugee status uh, and they can do you know open the floodgates and and I, I by the way, I think they're beginning to lose the debate, yeah, I, I think the independents are beginning to understand the game and uh and the minute that happens uh, th- they are in serious serious political trouble,
0: yeah, I noticed that the, even at the peak of the screaming um and the and the calls for you know I would get
1: fifty four percent of the people thought it was not yeah. Trump's fault. They thought it was the Democrats'
0: yeah. fault. Right, and and the longer this goes on, because people do have a grasp of whatever the complexities of these issues with the courts. They have a grasp of the basic concept, which is you can't have a country unless you have some limits and borders.
1: Look, Bill, if this polls fifty four percent, it's really sixty four percent.
0: Sure, it is. Sure, it is. Okay. Um, okay, I just and I think we we agree philosophically.
1: Oh yeah, we, with each we other and the president. The
0: question is the question is what's going to what's going to happen, and I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I guess this first appeal goes to this judge, in the Ninth Circuit, where they're not hoping for you know a very good result or not expecting a very good
1: result. I didn't know why they didn't have somebody file an appeal in a better circuit. Can they? Why not? They could have preempted it. If anyone can file on the Ninth, somebody can file on the First
0: okay well i don't know i mean i think
1: yeah. I, I, i'm not a lawyer to be thank god but but uh you know why thank why god is... for the
0: law- legal profession or thank god for you
1: thank god for that i'm not a, a lawyer
0: yeah for the legal yeah.
1: profession. sake my, or my your soul sake. how you're you soul. know how hard it is to save your soul if you're a lawyer <laughs>
0: all right all right very, very good all right well uh, we'll see but i i do think I, I was saying the, uh, a couple of weeks ago before this thing erupted that I think the immigration thing remains very high on on the public's list uh, in terms of worries and priorities. And um, it, it isn't uh, it isn't hard to get people really activated on it. And I think it, it, it won't hurt Trump in 2018.
1: I do, too. No, uh, it, I think okay. people are underestimating 2018. I think the Republicans are going to hold the House by about 15 and uh, pick up four or five in the Senate.
0: Well, we'll see. That would be uh, that'd be great. Let's talk about something else. Um, the Justice Department There's a t- sure. ton to talk about in regard to the FBI. But I was just reading an article by Andy McCarthy. You know, Andy Yeah. He writes a lot. And he said, you know, there's all this back and forth between the FBI and the Congress and, and contempt of Congress. Give us the documents. They gave him some, but not all of them. McCarthy says you can, uh, you know, cut the Gordian knot here. The president, they all work for the president.
1: Yeah, he, can, he should bring them both in and and direct them to deliver.
0: Okay, you got you're you're ahead of me. That's exactly. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Would 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 he have people advising him that that looks? He's like
1: worried about the impact on the Mueller thing. And, obstruction and, and, that would be yeah. obstruction, right? It and would so, hardly be
0: obstruction to bring documents
1: to light. It would seem to me. Well, it's just. It, it's remember his exposure is political impeachment. And so political impeachment is a response to appearance rather than reality. And and so he's got to, his lawyers are probably telling him he probably has to tread softly.
0: You were chief of staff to President Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush. You were often the last man he talked to and got advice. If you were in the same situation, you'd tell him to bring him in hand over those documents.
1: Uh, if What I think he ought to do first is make a public statement that he wants those documents delivered without it being a direct order, and let that issue be debated in the public. And then, as, as the pros and cons of that get hammered out, at some point uh, there may be an understanding in the public of what is being hidden, and... Um, and then uh, he might have a good opportunity to bring them in and tell them, okay, you've had, you've had a month and a half, two months, where we've uh, uh, told you politely, publicly, that it would be a nice thing for you to do. Uh, and then uh, there might be an opportunity for him in a politically acceptable way to give the order to have them delivered.
0: You suspect, as I do, that there's some really bad stuff in there that they're keeping?
1: Uh, the, uh, the travesty, I think, is that it's not really bad stuff. It's embarrassingly bad stuff. It, it, and, and, and if that's what you mean by really, then I agree with you. Uh, I don't think there's really bad stuff in the sense of it being a revelation of uh, sources and methods and all that, which they're claiming.
0: No, but it's more uh, it's more of the resist stuff,
1: yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> Bill, here's what I don't understand. I don't understand Christopher Ray. Now, here's a guy. He's a new man in town, so it is not his. Resp- you know, what happened in the past right. is not his responsibility, and he's letting the the scandal become his responsibility. Yeah. that is that is really extremely strange, and and, and I, its behavior I cannot rationalize.
0: Right, he's not responsible for it. Why is he every day owning it more and more? That's
1: right, right? correct. That's Why is he uh, letting it tar him uh, instead of uh, leaving the tarring, if you will, on Comey?
0: And this is, um, in the end, helpful to the president politically, is it not?
1: I think it's going to be if if it ever pops. But they're hoping they can keep it from popping. So it kind you, of did you're pop, absolutely didn't, it, John? It didn't
0: Kind of pop with the Strzok stuff you
2: know we it will stop did. him
1: yeah it did but the real issue uh, in this whole thing which is not being discussed is that none of this happens without the approval of the obama white house yeah. none of this you you cannot yeah. you cannot uh, as comey allow this to happen uh, without uh, um, it being understood that the White House wants it to happen. Now how the wink and the nod was transmitted, I don't know, but somewhere in there there was a wink and a nod and and beyond that, this this idea of uh, not informing the Trump campaign that the no. Russians were playing games with them uh, is irresponsible and and frankly, I think, the Trump White House is not making clear the severity of that omission and failure. I think they've got to, they, they, they seem to be still focusing on why didn't you convict Hillary, and forget about why I didn't you that. convict yeah, Hillary. I agree. I agree. What you should be talking about is why did you mislead and misinform our campaign or, or keep our campaign uninformed about Russian meddling into our, the Trump campaign?
0: Right. And back to your earlier point, if there's some kind of resistance or res- if this resistance or reluctance to produce these documents have to do with the fact that, you know, the Obama White House is implicated, was doing it. These things were going on with their direction or at least approval. This again raises the question of why does Christopher Ray want to inherit this and
1: wear that mantle? And I think it's because Rosenstein is still controlling the internal process. And, and, Mm -hmm. And look, for Rosenstein as a potential material witness, as the manager of the Mueller investigation, and as the one with huge responsibilities in what happened in the past, For him to go, if you remember about two, three weeks ago, he went publicly to talk at some some public event in Washington, and that's where he made uh, the statement that he wasn't going to be extorted uh that is completely irresponsible and i'm surprised that there wasn't a public chastisement uh to to put the exclamation point on what he did i mean uh, if if i had been chief of staff at the time i strongly would have recommended a public chastisement of of that action
0: yeah yeah well i know you have other um interviews and other things to do but i want to ask you one last set of questions on another topic any sure. thoughts on the unhinging of politics, um, any limits, yep. any limits to what people say that, you know, you saw the little red hen of the yeah. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you, you saw yeah. De Nero. you saw, I guess, um, Maxine Waters, thank you, stood up and said to a crowd, you know, if you see one of these people who works for the administration in a department store, in an airport, in a restaurant, embarrass them, you know, yell at them, scream. Uh, what is is this the unhinging of america
1: well it's it's really america, a, a travesty um i think you know that we in new hampshire take our politics seriously um it's it's perpetual there is no season up here it's a 12-month right. sport. Right. Um, but but we really have managed to maintain civility up yeah. here and uh you know um i i still break bread with uh democratic opponents uh former Democratic opponents, uh, when I was uh, actively engaged in it, uh, we tried to keep the language and the focus on the issues and, and not on the personalities. And what has happened, and to some extent, um, the president has a responsibility. He took the language up a notch in the primary and took it up another notch in the general. And so the the Democrats, uh, having had their heart broken on election night, uh, decided to retaliate by then moving it up another notch. You know, it's like nuclear armaments. You always try and have a little bit more than the other one. Um, And and so they have taken it to a level of incivility uh, that is, in my opinion, a huge detriment to the country. And I think the only way back. Uh, And one way back, it's not the only way back, but a very uh, simple way back is for the president to take the lead and and start. uh, He can still Twitter, but he can Twitter with a tone uh, that is adult and and, and sets the lead for the return to civility. And uh, I think at some point that's going to happen. It has to happen or else... uh, Uh, We as a nation in which uh, we can iron out the differences over time, um, that's going to stop.
0: Yeah, you know, there's two aspects to this. One, I I was thinking my stuff, stuff I'd written about 60s and 70s, the culture. And, of course, it's filled with, you know, the expressions, just do it. If it feels good, do it. Let it all hang out. And this has its origins in, you know, some serious writers of the time, people like Norman Mailer and others. I remember an essay he did in which he said, you know, if you're living in a country which is illegitimate and has a repressive institutions, and he, of course he was talking about America, then your resistance to it is, uh, is honorable. Uh, and, you know, he, I remember he used the example, stayed in my head, crazy. But he said uh, the other day in New York, two young black men, robbed a, uh, a Chinese convenience store run by a Chinese guy and they beat him over the head. Most people would condemn this, but I see it as an act of resistance. I remember reading at the time saying, what, you crazy? Are you just crazy? And I remember I met Mailer and uh, breakfast with him he came out to a Republican convention and and I challenged him on this. And he said, oh, I may have been right, I may have been wrong. But you know, when you're resisting uh, oppressive authority... Um, you know, you you've got to use every tool at your disposal. This, this, this is kind of if people thought through what they were doing. This is what they'd say, isn't it? Trump is illegitimate somehow, right. and so
1: it's okay exactly. to use anything. Just, you're, yeah, you're, you've you've uh, identified its its origins quite well. Uh, it's just that that uh, there was it was a little bit dormant for a while. You know, we got through the Vietnam. Uh, era, yeah. we, yeah. we, yeah. we, uh, the George Herbert Walker Bush administration left the world with a Soviet Union that was more benign uh, and a world that uh, really had a level of tranquility to it. And uh, unfortunately, the world couldn't uh, <laughs> let it. Enjoy itself for a long period of time and and uh, drifted back and so now uh, there are uh, legitimate uh, issues of difference that create illegitimate levels of confrontation
0: but smart people or supposedly smart people like general Hayden you know puts a picture of you know concentration yeah.
1: camp i mean yeah but- they they have they have fallen in love with with the me with being in the media and and um mm. And some people get addicted to it, and and you know, um, when when we were in Washington, there were a couple of significant folks working for George Herbert Walker Bush that had to be reminded uh, not to go too far uh, in the media. And and if nobody is nobody is providing a a relatively intelligent and a relatively civilized, um, you got to bring it back to this notch rather than raising it a notch. Uh, these people are going to do it. And,
0: you are, you're not talking about me. In camp, are you? Uh,
1: I wouldn't <laughs> talk about you, Bill.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember a couple of calls. Jack was
1: such a dear friend. <laughs> <laughs> what are you and
0: Jack up to now? God, I uh, remember those. What are you guys uh, doing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. But, you know, it was fun, and we got things yeah, done. Yeah, That's what sure people that, don't understand. Sure that, 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 that you can... you. you you can have, if you will, a a reference point that you remind people to keep it at, and and they can still make the point. You you guys still were able to make the points you wanted to make, and 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 uh, and and it it allowed things to move constructively, and and that's what you know i don't think the democrats and the crazy liberal wing of the democratic party understands that they're undermining their capacity to impress people on on the intelligence mm-hmm. of their arguments because mm-hmm. they overwhelm them with the emotion of their arguments mm-hmm. yeah.
2: yes, and uh, and this right. you
1: know these are this uh, this cry to to make uh, uh Republican supporters of the president uncomfortable in public is going to backfire that the the, the independence in america uh, cer- it certainly is not going to be attractive to the Republicans, and the independents in America uh like to think of themselves as a little less combative and anything that i don 't think the Democrats understand that a competitive stance is not appealing to the independence. yeah But that's then, why they're independents. <laughs> Psychologically, yeah, yeah. They, they do not want to be seen uh, as, as a potential competitor
0: Yeah. And when the default position, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said it a couple of years ago, when the default position in an argument is Hitler, you've already lost the argument. Yeah. You and, know, in, in some ways, I mean, maybe Stalin and Mao, but there aren't many of them. But, you know, once you've said Hitler, where do you go from there? And isn't that kind yeah. of a confession of intellectual weakness? To
1: Well, it's yeah. a confession of historical ignorance. Yeah, sure. Y- y- yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, because if, if they have no, no sense of the horror of 70 years ago uh, by just throwing that word out, uh, they, they're self-proclaimed ignoramuses. Yeah,
0: yeah. Where do we go from here? Well, that's interesting. Um, and your comment about the tweets and, and if the president, you know, calmed it down a little bit. You know, I've actually noticed a little
1: bit of a, re- a movement in that direction. I maybe think it's, so too. Maybe I it's wishful think so. thinking, but but uh, uh, I think he in, in the last rounds, uh, the last few days, let's say, I think he's been the better man.
0: I, I agree. I agree. I wonder if he's thinking, you know, if I unleash some of these demons, I want to pull them back in. I want to try to set here a little better example. I I, I have the exact same sense that you do. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That was Johnson Noonu, former governor of New Hampshire and former White House chief of staff under President George Herbert Walker Bush. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. All right, let's jump into the illegal immigration discussion with Mark and He's the master. He's the pro. He's the pro from Dover, as we used to say. He's the executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies. Mark, can you give us, I know you've been asked a million times, but how did we get to where we are now at the border with these kids?
2: Um, the, before 2013, there were very few illegal immigrants bringing kids with them across the border. Because really, I mean, why would you do that unless there was some really good reason for it? What When Obama in 2012 announced DACA, the amnesty for uh, people who, br- who brought illegal alien kids with them, or the amnesty for the illegal alien kids themselves, uh, that created an expectation that you could uh, pull that off. And obviously a lot of people who sneak in here illegally are doing it in the long run to improve their kids' chances. And so what we saw was an uptick in people bringing kids with them. Before 2013, they didn't even keep records of what share of the illegal aliens arrested by the Border Patrol were bringing kids with them. It was so rare that nobody even bothered to uh, pull it out separately. It had grown by 2013 enough that the Border Patrol for the first time reported what share of The illegal immigrants who were arrested were what they call family units, uh, you know, adults with kids. It was 15,000 people in that year in the whole year, 3% of the total number of arrests. Just four years later, it was 75,000 people, so it quintupled, and it had become 18% of all arrests. And by last month, it had increased to 24% of all arrests. And the reason for that increase is that if you brought a kid with you, you were let go into the United States, not just the kid, but you too. And you were given a summons, uh, you know, please show up at some date a year in the future, whatever it is, nobody did. But it didn't matter. They were gone into the illegal population. And when you reward something, you're going to get more of it. Yeah and so we've seen that repeatedly even back in 2014 I sent a crew down to South Texas when that unaccompanied minors flow really broke into the news and at the same time as the so-called unaccompanied minors were coming none of whom was unaccompanied they were almost all smuggled up but they turned themselves in alone to the border patrol but at the same time though there were a lot of people coming you know single moms mostly with kids and one of uh, my uh, guys who went down there, former uh, reporter, Pulitzer Prize winner, lived in Mexico, speaks Spanish like a native, was talking to some of these people at the McAllen, Texas bus station who'd been dropped off there by the Border Patrol. And they just said, uh, you know, we heard that you you be let go if you brought a kid with you. So we brought our kids. One of them said, we were watching CNN. And it, CNN said that if you brought kids, they'd let you go. And one of our neighbors had done it and gotten away with it. So we figured we'd try it, too. CNN.
0: <laughs> Let's send this to the president. We'll get a couple of days of tweets. Yeah, well, CNN, exactly. for God's yep, sakes.
2: Yep. When you reward something, yeah, you're sure. going to get more of it. We've been doing that. The question is, how do you stop that reward?
0: First question, how did it get started? Was it policy? Why, why did I mean word got out that if you brought a kid you'd get in Well
2: because did yeah, something change? Yeah the background there is in in way back in 97 was a lawsuit that the Clinton administration settled. The terms of the settlement were that that minor unaccompanied minors couldn't be detained more than 20 days. I suspect frankly the Clinton administration you know was happy to settle the lawsuit. Um, In other words, it probably was brought by people who had worked with the people who were now political appointees in the Clinton administration. You know, one of those things where the left does that kind of thing all the time. So anyway, but that applied just to unaccompanied minors. Well, in a lawsuit that that came up in response to this flow of uh, detention of the flow of of family units, a uh, federal judge in 2014-2015 um that's when the lawsuit was I forget when the final order was issued said that even minors who came with their parents can't be detained more than 20 days. Um in other words the point was to force the release of the parents as well as the kids. That was kind of the point of it. But um and so that's what the Obama administration did. So the flow started partly because um you know things were crappy in Central America. But also they'd gotten this message about DACA that um, the kids of illegal immigrants could get away with it and could benefit. And then the federal courts applied, or this is the Ninth Circuit specifically, applied this Flores Agreement, which is the settlement from back in the 90s, applied it to people, to the kids who were with their parents, not just to the unaccompanied minors. And that kind of opened the floodgates.
0: So it was a. I just want to get the order right. A, a a judicial decision, a court decision, which was acceded to by the Obama administration. They said, "Fine, okay."
2: Right. Exactly. I mean, they they argued against it that you know, you know, we'd like to detain some of these families, and then uh, the uh, a judge in the Ninth Circuit, or judge's name is Dolly G. Believe it or yeah. not, um, yeah. said, that, "No, you can't do that." And so the Obama people, uh, not sure whether they were, you know, was like being thrown into the briar patch kind of thing, said, um, okay. Oh, and mm-hmm. they just released everybody. And, um, you know, obviously people in Central America get the message as soon as that happens. People call home or, or they just tune into CNN. So, um, yes. so the point is, you know, it's several things that happen together and reinforced each other. You're going to often see a flow an unexpected flow of people. For instance, more than 10 years ago, I think, sometime in the 2000s, there was this spike in Brazilians who were starting to come into Texas. This wasn't kids, but it's a, my point here is that you'll see these kind of unexpected changes. A spike in Brazilians started coming in, partly because Mexico – Lifted its visa requirement for Brazil, and then once people started sneaking across, the border patrol knew where to put them, so they started letting them go into the United States with a summons that they all ignored. Once the word got back, that started gaining momentum, but in that case, the border patrol cracked down immediately, responded, started detaining every Brazilian. Uh, the the State Department kind of leaned on Mexico to put its visa requirement back in, and that stopped. What happened with this family uh, unit migration from Central America is that even if it started not entirely because of government policy, because, I mean, obviously there were reasons people wanted to leave, because it wasn't stopped right away, and because you were able to get away with it, it started gaining momentum. So you go from 3% of border arrests Now, one out of four border arrests is somebody bringing a kid with them.
0: Bring us up to date to today. Um, Comment on the argument that's been going back and forth for a week. This is new or it's not new. This is Trump policy or it's Obama policy, too.
2: What's new is that the Trump administration decided to actually enforce the law that criminalizes sneaking across the border. There's the the law prohibits, I mean, the law makes it a federal crime, misdemeanor on first offense, felony on subsequent offenses, to enter without inspection. In other words, to sneak across the border. Um, back during the Bush administration, they'd started an initiative called Operation Streamline, which did that, which, which did what the um, Trump administration is doing now, which is prosecute Everybody you catch rather than just kind of, you know, have them sign a waiver and dump them back across the border, actually prosecute them. They only did it though in the Bush administration in certain targeted specific areas of the border. And it worked pretty well. And it wasn't really an issue because there were no kids back then, they were all adults. Um, the Obama people basically stopped doing that. And interestingly enough, McCain and Flake issued a press release back in 2015 decrying the Obama administration's um, rolling back that zero-tolerance policy and demanding its re-implementation. So anyway, so what's new is that the Justice Department is working with DHS, and they are now trying to implement this approach of prosecuting everybody across the whole border. And what that means is that some of the people, an increasing share of the people who get prosecuted, are ones who brought kids with them. So that's the new part. But the context, in other words, the rules within which they have to operate about whether you can detain kids and what have you, those all predate this administration.
0: Okay. now on this part, I I don't understand The, the rock and hard place that Trump is in now. Kids can't be detained for more than 20 days. Is that correct?
2: Exactly. And so with that. Um, announcement that they were stopping the, uh, you know, separating the families last week, uh, you know, in another couple of weeks, we're gonna, they're going to have to face a decision about what are they going to do? Are they going to start, are they going to resume releasing the kids? In other words, they've, now they're, reta- they're detaining the kids and the parents together. In, you know, when the 20 days are up, whenever that ends up being for the first batch of people, are they going to start releasing the kids? and um, keeping the parents detained, or are they going to defy the Flores Agreement and just make the judge force them to split up families? Or are they just going to let the parents go, too, and go back to the Obama approach? I don't know, and I don't think you know, nobody really knows yet. That's, that's 20, what's up in the air.
0: Is the, Mark, is the 20-day rule, that's as long as you can keep the kids, or that's as long as you can keep the kids by themselves?
2: That's as long as you can keep the kids in detention, period.
0: Whether they're with a parent or not.
2: Whether they're with a parent or not. I see. What okay. happens after that is they're released to the Office of Refugee Resettlement in the, homeless, in the Health and Human Services Department. And okay. then are either put in shelters or they're delivered to, their, uh, to relatives. They often do that, too. Um, but the point is they're not in detention anymore after that 20 days.
0: Okay, I, th- I think I heard Mike McCall. It may not have been Mike McCall, but I think I heard somebody say, well, look, the solution here is after the 20 days when the kids can't be detained any longer, um, you send them back with their parents.
2: Which is fine, which they can do if the parents have not asked for asylum. That's the right. issue.
0: Right because now, asking for asylum means you're being terrorized in your home country, right. right? Or
2: you're pretending to anyway, and right. So if you're if you're not if you don't claim a fear of return, um, and you just get arrested at the border with your kid, then um, what they what they seem to be trying to work out is a way not to separate the family, but to have to prosecute the parent anyway. Because they're only given time served, and in other words, the point is not to lock them up, it's to get, you know, to send the message that this is a crime. The way you've always done this, the way this is done in any criminal situation, is if someone is going to be tried, they're handed over to the custody of the Marshal Service. And the kids can't be handed over to the Marshal Service. That's why the family separation was happening. One thing they're trying to work on and this is completely. This is if there's no asylum claim, is you just keep them together in ICE custody, okay. but then you deliver them to marshal service. They drive them to the courthouse. They all, you know, they all plead guilty because they're obviously done it. Then they're brought back to ICE custody immediately, where the so they're only separated from the kids for a few hours, rather than the kids being sent into the foster care system. That's not the way things work, but that's a sensible compromise. But it doesn't fix the issue of what happens if the parents try to delay deportation by claiming asylum, because that takes a whole lot longer than 20 days. Well,
0: I mean, if you're in this detention and you're watching CNN, you're going to hear claim asylum. I mean, they're all going to claim asylum. Yeah, well,
2: they did that before. I mean, they were coached on that by smugglers before they ever got to the Rio Grande.
0: And is it because, let me interrupt just to get the clarification, that if you claim asylum, you can't send that person or that person, that kid back until they have some kind of hearing.
2: Right. Exactly. And the way, um, not to get in the weeds, but there's an important point here.
0: No, we've got to get in the weeds. Yeah. got <laughs> to.
2: The first thing they do is say, you know, I fear return to my home country. So they haven't applied for asylum yet. They've just said they, you know, they fear return. Well, the way it works is they have to have an interview to see whether that claim of fear is credible. Um, it called it Literally, they call it now a credible fear interview. Under Obama, pretty much everybody was rubber-stamped, and that's the first step toward applying for asylum. It's like the ticket to get into the show and then you apply for asylum. Yeah. What we found is that the majority of Central Americans who pass that first cut don't end up actually even going through with the formal asylum application. What happens when they make that first cut if they're not detained, is they get a piece of paper saying, you know, you've got to file your asylum claim in such a way on this date here, you got to show up. Well, most of them don't do that. In other words, they yeah. don't even follow through. They just make that claim of fear of return as a way of being released into the country, and bingo, they disappear into the illegal population.
0: Okay. Um, gosh, it just all, all these people on TV saying, well, we got to dramatically increase aid to you know, Guatemala and Honduras. I mean, what what we can't, we can't deal with this problem until things get, until it turns into Iowa there. Um, I mean, that's crazy.
2: No, and obviously. I, and and even, and the thing is, even on its own terms, that doesn't make sense. Because, uh, you know, has our foreign aid anywhere else in the world brought about that kind of effect? I mean, it's not, clear. No, we could dump no. all the money in the world there we wanted. I'm not sure it would make any difference. Uh, yeah, countries, yeah. you know, they're going to arrive at... De- they're going to develop in their own way, and our pouring money into them is not going to not some kind of solution.
0: And the other one I've heard, and this uh, I don't know if it's widespread, but it, uh, it touches me particularly because I was the first drugs are. Is I heard a respectable guy, albeit on CNN, Michael Smurkonis say, uh, "I think in light of all this, we should legalize all the drugs because that's what's responsible for all this traffic." First of all, insane to legalize all the drugs. I think it's even insane to legalize marijuana for reasons, but that's another day. But if you legalized all the drugs, you still wouldn't get rid of people coming in.
2: No, you wouldn't. Now, I mean, you know, the argument is... Our appetite for the drugs is what's causing, you know, strengthening the criminal gangs. And there's, you know, there's something to that, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's not, I mean, I'm not, you know more about the drug debate than I do. But the idea that that's somehow going to solve the problem, make it go away, is absurd. Honduras is still going to be Honduras. You know, it's a a poor, messed up place. Frankly, Mexico looks pretty good if you're, you know, in Honduras. Okay. Um, and people are going to want to keep coming. I mean, look, that's not what's driving Congolese and Malians going to Europe. You know, it's the same phenomenon. A lot of these right. Right. countries in of the course. global south are poorly run uh, The uh, for a whole variety of cultural and historical and economic reasons. You know, they're not providing uh, satisfying lives for their people, and... The West is telegraphing the fact that it doesn't have the backbone to protect itself. And so yeah, yeah. so anyway, I'm not sure that legalizing no, that drugs right. would have any effect on the migration
0: flow. Yeah, yeah. All right. Then let's get to what do we do? I mean, I'm sure you've been asked for advice. I don't want to ask you to talk about conversations you've had with the White House, but I sure as heck hope they've asked you what to do. And and what is this about the Ninth Circuit, which happens now The what? They,
2: what the Justice Department has done is... Um File a request with the Ninth Circuit to um change its interpretation of this Flores settlement from the nineties in other words, their interpretation from earlier several years ago that said kids have to be released even if they're with their parents. so what they've done is file a request which the judge will almost certainly uh deny to change her you know order that kids need to be released, I assume then they will appeal it. And um, I have no idea what's going to happen there. That's the sort of short, that's the legal kind of uh, judicial route for change. The other thing is uh, there's legislation, and has been for a long time now, long before this became an issue, um, uh, to legislatively undo that Flores Agreement, uh, because all of this is based on interpretations of statute. Because as the Supreme Court has said, in matters of uh, admission to the United States, due process is whatever Congress says it is. I mean, literally, that's the verbatim statement from the Supreme Court repeatedly. So there's uh, provision in all of these various immigration laws flying around to undo this agreement and permit the detention of kids with their parents for more than 20 days. Congress can do that. Uh, What Ted Cruz did in response to all of the hubbub last week was to say, well, let's just pull out those particular provisions, basically fixing those loopholes, and just pass a law that's just on those instead of joining it with the DACA and the wall and everything else, which is where those provisions now are found, in broader bills. Democrats have no interest in that. Um, They, in fact, have all signed on to a bill by Senator Feinstein who used to be kind of sensible on immigration. Um, but her bill says no kid, no minor can ever be separated from his illegal immigrant parent under any circumstances, unless there's, you know, narrow exceptions like abuse or something like physical abuse. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, that a kid really would be, it would codify the practice that a child is your get-out-of-jail-free card, yeah. and you'd be released into the United States. Um, that's... Would be ridiculous and really does shine a light on what this is about the Democrats are not objecting specifically to separating the kids from the parents they're objecting to detaining yeah. illegal immigrants sure period
0: um, Governor Sununu and I were talking about this in the discussion that precedes this in, in the earlier podcast uh, the earlier part of this podcast and he said why do they have to go to the ninth uh, circuit, couldn't they go
2: somewhere else? Maybe, but the um, settlement uh, is through the Ninth Circuit. In other words, the judge that they're talking about is the one who oversaw this settlement. So maybe they could. I, I don't, I mean, that's a good question. I'm not sure how the okay. legality of that works, but the Ninth Circuit, you know, covers much of the border that is relevant here. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yep. But that's the, that's Again, a legal strategy yeah. question that I I don't know enough about to answer.
0: All right, so legislation could fix a lot of this. I heard just heard Mark Meadows on TV Freedom Caucus, and they said, "Okay, you're trying to fix it. We appreciate your efforts." Blah blah blah. Maybe we can all get together. Will, you, will this will this revised uh, bill pass or fail? He said probably fail.
2: Oh yeah, no, definitely will. Okay. Um, right. I mean, I'll definitely I'm, in the I'm, House
0: or in the Senate.
2: In right? the House, it's never. Okay. Been, I don't think will be brought up in the, sen- in the Senate. Um, but even the narrower bill, the kind of thing that Cruz is putting together, and I think there's, they're working on a House equivalent that would, wouldn't address all of the other DACA and yes. every issue, yes. just deal with this child separation and detention issue. Even that, I don't see any way of getting nine Democrat votes for in the Senate. Okay. Um, and okay. I think they're kind of hoping that it becomes a big enough issue for them to be able to uh, take the House in November. I mean, they literally are seeing this as a political issue
0: i want to ask you about that in a minute but let's say there is no legislation you're the president what can you do
2: good question um there's uh it looks i think and i'm not sure about the details on this but it looks like they might be able to get um you know written consent from the parents not to release the kids from detention i'm not sure if that's the case i'm still trying to get a straight answer about that but if the parents can consent to the kid remaining in detention that would definitely be an option to offer them um, a lot of times they don't want that because the kids are being released to their relatives and so you know if even if the parents in detention if the kid's been sent to his aunt and uncle then you know you've got the kid into the country he's in school and that was your goal but um, if the parents are permitted by the ruling to consent formally to keep the kid with them in detention, that's definitely an option you want to offer them. But are they going to
0: take it? Are they going to take it? The kid is the, the kid. The limit on the kid is to get out of jail free card.
2: Right. It? Exactly. That's why I'm, su- I'm I'm not sure they would take it. In a yeah. sense. Uh, in other words, they would basically continue this policy of using the kids as uh, human shields against immigration enforcement. And at some point I think the president's going to end up um, either having to defy the Flores Agreement, and then there'll be lawsuits, and the lawsuits will then force them to split the families up, which will be kind of ironic, and you know, uh, basically a political... It will be used properly by the administration as a political argument against the Democrats. In other words, the Democrats are making us do this. The judge ordered us to separate these families, or you know, they'll just release the adults with the kids. I mean, they'll just go, they'll yep. just sort of give up, yep. and which is entirely possible. I mean, if I had to bet on it, I think that's probably what's going to happen.
0: I was interested, let's go back to your point about 2018. Uh, first of all, I think the Democrats apart from gaming it for 2018, many of them really don't believe in any kind of limits to immigration, do they?
2: No, no, absolutely. I mean, this really has been a uh, an illuminating incident. I mean, I knew this all along, but uh, I think it's publicly now more obvious that there really are no limits on immigration that the Democrats are willing to enforce. You know, they'll say, no, we're not for open borders. We're not for unlimited immigration. And then you ask them, okay, which specific things are you willing to do to back that up? And there's no, it's crickets. There's, there is nothing they're willing okay. to do.
0: But is it a winner for them? I was interested to see. I think I saw it a week ago. In the midst of all this uh, screaming and hyperbole, should I say? Yeah. Hitlerian. Under, yeah, analogy. exactly. Hyperbole is an understatement. Yeah. Whenever you say Hitler, you've lost the yeah, argument yeah. already, right? But, but that there was some poll that 54% of the American people were with Trump said that the fault lies with the people who are breaking the law and coming in.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm i not convinced this is a winner for the Democrats. Okay. Uh, you know, and I mean, the only reason it could possibly even be a winner is that the president just isn't very good at, you know, delivering a non-scary, non-strident message to people. You know what I mean? In other words, his yes. policies is usually not the problem. It's just that uh, he's, you know, he's he's who he is. You know what I mean? I mean, he's Trump. And so he talks about this stuff Trumpishly. But other than that, This is not something that I think is going to alienate a lot of voters. That's number one. Number two, what is going to be alienating a lot of people is the Democrats' overreach. You know, throwing people out of restaurants and all of that, and you've got, you know, a lot of ordinary Trump voters is like, you know, they can see themselves. In that situation, yeah, where right. some mob comes and they have their kid with them, and they start screaming in their faces and all that, and right. you know, I mean, I got to say that woman who that restaurant down in Virginia where they threw uh,
0: yeah, Sanders, Sanders out,
2: uh, that woman made a you know an in kind contribution to the Trump re election campaign. Yeah. I think I um, so, I and so. you know, you now have what's her name, who's the Maxine Waters saying that right. you know yeah. every yeah. Trump administration person should be harassed in the public and all this, this. You know it's terrible it is it degrades our politics it's one more step down you know uh the road to wherever we're going and it's not good but um it is not something that that ordinary voters are going to cheer and say this is a really great thing let's vote democrat so we have more of this
0: yeah i think you're right about the american voter and they hate this and they react against it at the same time There's nothing the American voter, the nice folks out there, fears more than being called a bigot bigot or a racist.
2: You're right, but, you know, at some point you can overuse that, and it's just, you know, it's like the, uh, you know, the Hitler talk. I mean, it trivializes something that really was pretty serious. Uh, And calling somebody, you know, you're always a racist, you're a hater. Every time, you know, the Southern Poverty Law Center, for instance, you know, calls us my group calls the hate group it the, the term becomes less right. and less meaningful right. i mean it's uh, so so you're right obviously but at yeah, some okay. point it almost becomes a joke i mean i've heard kids say you know you say oh well, that's racist as a ga- as a joke in other words not even as a joke oh, but yeah it's sure like, it's kind of a generic throwaway no, right. term for something that's bad that's when right. it doesn't really mean anything
0: that's anymore right, it's lost its substance and it's when kids its, start
2: uh, mocking something you know it's lost. it's Thing, you know right. so um and the bad thing of course is that means that you know guys who really are loathsome guys like richard spencer for instance uh kind of become less yeah. in a sense almost less toxic because everybody's a racist you know what i mean in, in that case nobody is for re- i mean it's it's just the, the the leftists just don't i don't think have any clue what they're doing and what the consequences of this are going to be so, and they're
0: not going to be good. Where and where do you go from Hitler,
2: by the way? Yeah, I know exactly what's left.
0: Satanic.
2: Well, Voldemort, I guess you know because Vold- yeah, somebody <laughs> was saying, look for you know for younger people today, it's everything's either Hitler or Harry Potter, and so those are the only two <laughs> things in images or metaphors that you can use. You know what I mean? So yeah, where do you go? Other, and once you got Voldemort, then what? There's nothing beyond him. So, um, yeah, it's a good okay. question. I have last, no idea.
0: Last question. Laws aside, Trump aside, all this aside, you've been studying this and thinking about this longer and better than almost anybody. Where are we going to be in a year? What do you think? Whether you like it or not.
2: In a year? Yeah, like I don't it? know. Um, I'm not sure things are going to be all that much different. I okay. think if I had to guess, I think uh, the administration's going to cave and um, pretend that they didn't cave but still having a kid with you is going to be a get out of jail free card and there's just going to be more of it and the percentage of the arrests at the border that are people with kids is going to go from one in four what it is now to some higher number i don't know you know i think things are going to get worse before they get better
0: That's all the time we have for today, folks. Catch up on previous episodes of the show. Go to BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett, and you can like me on Facebook. I still can't get used to that locution. You can like me on Facebook. How about just liking me generally? Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. Catch up with you next week.